Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Trek Talk with Tech and Kirk. I'm TechMan16. And I'm Strange Group. And today, thanks to Handyman, um, who gave a shout-out to Scarlet Fire, we've got Scarlet Fire with us today. Scarlet, how you doing, man? Well, pretty well. Thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. So let's just dive right in. What got you into Star Trek? Uh, I started watching Star Trek when I was a kid. Um, I think... Even before I was really conscious of it being on, my mom was a sociologist and was fascinated with Star Trek. Um, so I started watching reruns. I was born in 74. I'll totally date myself. Um, I was watching reruns when I was two and three years old. Uh, watching reruns of the original series. Um, saw the motion picture, the first one in the theater. Saw Wrath of Khan in the theater. Those things just stuck with me. Um, How was it seeing the original motion picture with with that? It's completely wasteful, but that shot of the Enterprise after it came back from, you know, like a tw 10, 12 year hiatus. It was awesome. I mean, there were parts of it that were just amazing. Like I was pumped and I didn't really mind so much that some I mean, that movie dragged in lots of places where it was just so slow and I didn't mind because it was, it was the enterprise and it was Kirk and it was Spock and we can go into that a little bit later, but there are a lot of those, there are a lot of those characteristics of some of those characters that I emulated later on in life. And I think they're kind of formative. So Star Trek had a more profound impact on your yourself yeah i would say so i mean like leonard nimoy right uh spock was huge for me spock was a big part of who i was growing up i was an only child i was bright i'd like to think um people told me i was bright and so i was I was always fascinated by how everything was just logic based. Um, it ended up leading me into my career and how I looked at the world, just how much logic played into everything. Things that are right or wrong, even ethics became logical to me in some ways. So that really helped you shape the way you are today and, and how you play, you know, the Star Trek game that we play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's all a logic game, right? Whether or not I'll do this or that all depends on whether or not it's logically worth my time doing. All right. So I would, I would assume then that the original series, it would be your favorite series or did you like the others? I love the others too. Um, when Next Generation came out, it was huge. I was pumped. I watched everything every Saturday afternoon in syndication when it came out. Like it was an event <laughs> every weekend. Um, the cliffhangers from season three to season four with Best of Both Worlds, part one and part two. It was three months of tinterhooks. Like what? What's going to happen to Picard, right? It, it, you know, did they get him or not? When Riker says fire, you know, what, what's going to happen? Um, I was fascinated by it, and I loved a lot of those characters. 
I watched all of Deep Space Nine. I watched all of Voyager. I rewatched them all multiple times. I never really got into Enterprise. Really? You didn't like Enterprise? Um, I think I never gave it a chance. I think I got through the first half of the first season and then said, no, I can't. I can't get into it again. Have you have you tried again or 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 you, you yeah, still I haven't tried recently and I really should. Um, I'm rewatching Discovery you know, right now. You're rewatching Discovery and not watching Enterprise. I know, yeah. Well, you know. My personal opinion aside, um, how do you like New Trek? New Trek meaning New Trek, yeah, anything 2009 onward. Uh, I dug the Chris Pine Kinto reboots of the J.J. Abrams movies. I dug those because it was new and it it had a lot. I mean, they had the flavor of the original series, right? And With the big part about the original series and the movies from the original series and like my favorite characters from any of these is not necessarily. I mean, a lot of it is about what their characters are. But when you're watching something, it's the acting and it's the chemistry between them that I find compelling. And Len Flair. Like, I can't watch Deanna Troy. Like, she's boring, right? But <laughs> That's accurate. That's, that's accurate. Right? I, I can't watch Troy episodes. They're boring. I can't watch Crusher. I mean, there are a couple Crusher episodes that are worth watching, but they're just not good actors and there's no chemistry between them. Um, oh, you, didn't, you didn't like the one where she screws a space ghost? No, the screw space ghost. That was the, <laughs> that the sub Rosa was the name of that one. Right. Yeah. That was painful. Uh, <laughs> beyond painful, but no, it, it is the acting that gets me. I mean, it, at one point in my life, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a lot of different things. I wanted to be a musician. I fell into computing and computers when I was very young, but I digress. I want to interject a little bit because you you mentioned actor and and a musician. You know, when when I watched the Next Generation for the very first time um, through the whole series throughout, I noticed a lot of concerts and a lot of acting and plays. Prospero, and then they had the concert with. Uh, I believe it was Keiko O'Brien and Data and whatnot. And and so I, I I was always fascinated by, oh, my God, these people are scientific explorers of space and new worlds and new civilizations. And yet they have time to be well-rounded individuals in the in the arts. And then then it hit me when I got older. I'm like, oh, they're actors. That's what they know. <laughs> That's their element. Yeah, they can. Well, also, they're they're. Yeah, they're artists, right? They're artists, and they're, yes. they're, also, they're also faking it in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm, 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 of, there's a lot of music in a lot of those Next Generation episodes. I mean, like, the crush, the 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 thing that crushes me, like the great episodes, are like the Inner Light with Picard, where he goes to Resica or whatever after the probe hits him, and he lives his entire life and learns how to play the flute and. Then they find the flute and the probe, and it becomes his connection to this other life that, or this entire civilization that doesn't exist anymore. Music is really—it's uh, fascinating to me. Uh, it's always been fascinating because it's a universal language. It, it is. Yeah. All you have to do is have 
all you have to do is have ears to be able to understand or appreciate music in any way, shape, or form. And it's also, I mean, to totally digress, it's one of the most fascinating parts of physics to me that sound is a wave that vibrates through the atmosphere that our bodies are attuned to pick up or in not even just orally with an AU, but physically, right? If you get a big thumping bass, like you're going to feel it. Right. Through, through the hair follicles on your, on your skin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's going to shake your booty. Uh, Anyway, I, yeah, I completely digress, but it's, but it's, (laughs) It's fascinating to me, right? I yeah. sure, sure, sure. I have a so, I have a uh, question on the on the the newer track. Do you yeah. um have you the best way to ask this? Have you let me ask you this? Have you read any of the Trek like literature, books, comic books, anything like that? No, I've never dove into any of that. Okay, all right. I've read a, my fair share of science fiction. Um, but I've never read adaptations or continuations of anything. The only reason I ask is I'm going back uh, right now, and I would recommend anybody listening to this if you're interested. Um, there's actually sets of comic books that they came out with, I believe, prior to the movie's release, and they're called Star Trek Countdown. And it actually gives an explanation, kind of a little bit of backstory before every movie. Like it gives the backstory um, before the, the star went, the Hobus supernova. That wiped out Romulus. It gives a backstory to that. It gives a backstory to Nero and his ship and why it's so powerful because it has Borg technology, which kind of then plays into with Picard with the Borg technology with the Romulans uh, and stuff like and that. So Vidar, right, and having the Vidar in the game, of course. So that it all ties in. It all yeah. ties in very neatly. I think that was done actually. To me, it was done pretty well. I wish they would have done a little bit more than just some obscure comic books that most people have never heard of. But um, uh, I, anyway, I digress. So going back a little bit um, to the, to the question regarding new Trek, do you, do you like new Trek better than old Trek? And I'm, and I'm in purposely creating a, a, a divide here. Do you like old Trek better or new Trek? I don't think I really have a favorite between the two things. I mean, they're kind of different. So I don't, I don't know. I appreciate both of them. I, I know that's a really wishy-washy milk toast answer, but. Milk toast? Who? Somebody hungry? What? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just screwing with you. Um, well, yeah. So the way I see it is, is the Berman, the Roddenberry Berman and Braga universe was more like, okay, we'll do sci-fi with like a positive uplifting message. And every episode. Ethics about it, and there were morality plays versus yes, fun, right? Versus New Trek, which is action and lens flares and action and CGI and well, explosions. Well, they they did they did do some morality things, such as Into Darkness, um, which is one of one of my f- favorites. Which obviously is not a lot of other people's favorites, but um, when when uh, you know Kirk was just going to freaking just blow con up but you know spock was like no that's not the right way to do it we have these laws this person needs to stand trial this is not the way we do things we're not just going to go around you know clapping people we you know we got to do the right thing so i think that i feel like they touched that they touched on those uh, morality issues not as much and like you say it was more action-packed and and we've gotten into that before as far as the you know trying to gain newer viewers who are into the lens flares and the explosions and 
Yeah, that's just a function of society and what what people will go and pay money to go see anymore. And that's why they are Marvel movies. Right. That's why the Marvel movies made a bunch of money, because it's a bunch of action. And don't get me wrong. I got dug on the Marvel movies, but they're kind of different. Yeah, they don't they don't really probe my mind. Like, I'm not really spending time thinking a lot about Jayla and the swarm. Right. And how. I mean, there's there's not a lot of allegory there for, or maybe there is, that I haven't really spent any time thinking about, because I think it is kind of lost in the action. Yeah. Right? Maybe there is an allegory there about something. I don't know what it would be. There is a lost allegory of how a human transformed into a gem Hadar over a couple hundred years. Yeah, right? I guess there's that. <laughs> right? Or, well, I guess, they, yeah, it it's military versus exploration, right? Is how that third movie, the they had some character, they had some character progression, such as you know Kurt getting burned out and yep. applying applying for the admiralty, and then you know Spock has had his kind of issue, um, and, and so I you know they played into that a little bit, but as far as like you say, the original series was really. The best way I uh, that I explain, if I were to explain it to someone who had never watched Star Trek, I would tell people that it was and it was almost like a an equality sci-fi. Yeah, it's social commentary. So you know, at at the time that was what was going on, and you know, Gene Roddenberry was obviously a, a visionary, and he saw a place where everybody was equal, and everybody had an, uh, an equal opportunity to the same resources as everyone else, and so that was kind of what was going on. And then with New Trek, um, you know, obviously there are some still some social issues that we deal with to this day, but it seems like for the most part, uh, they just kind of tried to shift more toward entertainment, and yeah. the the dilemmas were character dilemmas, not mm-hmm. not like you say social commentary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the the more interesting sci-fi end of the current era are things like Ex Machina, right? Where it's artificial intelligence versus humanity. Right? And that's got a lot of probing kind of questions and things to think about. It's a contemporary for things like, you know, Into Darkness and beyond. It's far more fascinating. Or Primer is a fascinating sci-fi film. Of those... of. Of the three newest Star Trek uh, films that they they've released, Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, and um, Star Trek Beyond, uh, which of those three um, is your favorite out of out of those three? Uh, Into Darkness, easily. Cumberbatch is a great actor; he really is. The thing I liked about it is the pacing of it, and it, I'm one of those people who like listens to the score. And I mean, not I don't listen to the score separately, but the score is a big part of film because I wanted to be a musician at one point. Um, I find it fascinating. The scenes with the girl who's sick and Khan comes to the father and says, I can cure her. And there's this that piano that's going in the background. It's just this perfect counterpoint to what's going on on screen. Um, the, score, the score was the done brilliantly. Yeah, the score just matches the, the, the thing perfectly. I it's one of those things where you can't see anything better than that. I mean, there's no better combination of music that could possibly take place. So you, with Khan, how do you feel? You said, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch, he is a, he is a great actor. 
how do you feel? Because the there there's been the term the term's been thrown around whitewashed and and things like that. But all that aside, how do you think he did as far as a job staying true to to Khan and his passionate personality and and you know everything's very it's grandiose terms for everything. And how do you feel like he did? I think he did a great job. I mean, he was always superior to everyone else, and that was the point of Khan in the first place, right? And he's eugenics and genetic manipulation has created a set of supermen and super beings, and he's just and the that was the original Khan, right? Uh, oh yeah, and it was exactly the same to me. I mean, there was no question that he was superior than everyone else on that ship. I did like the. I did like the fact that it seemed like somebody did their homework in the, the final fight scene with Spock. And, you know, a, a friend of mine who's a casual Star Trek uh, viewer, he said something about, well, you know, how is it that Spock's able to hurt Khan and Khan is tearing everybody else apart? And I said, well, if, you, if you'll remember back and you, you'll, you'll know that, that Vulcans are like two to three times stronger than humans. So as far as... Yeah. So as far as a physical fist fight match he's a lot more evenly matched than any human's going to be absolutely i mean that's that three times is referenced in deep space nine right when in the of all things the baseball episode where they play the holodeck baseball game against the vulcan crew and they go back and talk about how cisco challenged the vulcan to a wrestling match and he shouldn't have because the vulcan was three times as strong as he was right, right. So, not to mention, I think it was mentioned in the mirror universe many times. Yeah, absolutely. Vulcans are stronger. Yeah, it was a great fist fight, except for the big, silly upper punch at the end. <laughs> kind of cracked me up. Just the big, the big glass jaw uppercut knockout punch. It just, right. it, it was an obvious movie moment more than anything else. What? Was the neck pinch ever used on Khan? I, I don't remember in the movie. Yeah, it's the big yeah. uppercut. He pulls Khan up by the collar and gives him the giant uppercut to the jaw. Right. You were saying the, the neck pinch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah mean, it, was the neck it, was, ever... it, it did, and it was... And if you'll remember, he's, he's behind Khan, and he does the neck pinch, and it hurts the shit out of Khan, but Khan's able to overcome it because, you know, whatever, genetic manipulation. But he did try the neck pinch on him, and, it, and of course, it didn't... It, it worked, but it didn't. It didn't have the, the desired effect. It's ineffective. I need to rewatch it just so I remember all the details, not because I liked it. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyways, let's let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, how did you get into Star Trek Fleet Command? Uh, like a lot of other people, I was looking for something to play on my phone. No way. Why do people do such a thing? I know, right? Uh, I wanted a game that I could play on my phone because I used to be I mean, I used to be a PC gamer and a console gamer, and I don't really dig on those anymore so much. And I was like, oh, I'm going to find something casually that I can play. Little did I know that it would be a rabbit hole that I would go down. So did you, so did you actively search for Star Trek in the game section. Yeah, I absolutely did. I went, I went to the Google Play. I play on an Android, and I was like, Google Play Store, Star Trek. Or I think I just did Star, and it showed up along with Timelines, which I installed and then played for five minutes and said, nope, that's not me. I need something that's a little bit more interesting, you know, a little bit more than that. Okay. 
too boring for you, I, I assume. Not necessarily boring. It was just the it's the animation style or the graphic style. I've been around computers and computing so long that I like I like dumb terminals and mainframes and cheesy graphics, but I don't like cell shaded animation or Fisher Price style of animation. That's what it looks like Fisher to me. It's a personal I <laughs> Right. I don't I don't like that kind of animation. Um I don't like that kind of aesthetic. It kind of bugs me. And I don't mind that other people like it. That's fine. So so it was the animation that, that turned you away, not necessarily the gameplay. Yeah, I mean, it was more the graphics and whatever. I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to, I can't spend time looking at this. Yeah, my, see, my, my wife plays it for the simple fact that it's, um, it's, it is definitely a lot more casual than yeah. uh, SDFC. Yeah, it definitely feels that way. I mean, I only, I literally only played it for like maybe 15, 20 minutes total, and I barely remember anything about it. Other than put together some crew, and then my ship goes up against somebody else's ship. That was about it. All right. So when you started playing Fleet Command, um, how did you start out with? What What was the server like? Um, who did you get along with? How, what alliances did you start? Um, I started in right. I started like a lot of people, just level one through level. 13, 14, kind of solo, like getting thrown into an alliance uh, or just joining someone at random and then kind of seeing who's there and who's active. Um, I started up an alliance with a couple of people who seemed to be the most active in that one when I was like level 12 or something. Um, Grabbed a couple of people who seemed to be actually being participating in alliance chat occasionally. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, now I think I've got a handle on what's going on when it got to level 14, where it's like, okay, now things are opening up and the game's starting. Everything else was training wheels up to this point. And I got up to about, I don't know, 20 or so and said, I need to get into something different. I didn't necessarily want to go figure out who the biggest, baddest, best players were and all of that, but I... I mean, at the time, like things like leaderboards were uh, felt like they were more open and they were they weren't as bracketed. Right. You could kind of tell. Like, I remember seeing people like Andy in. I guess, I mean, he was still only in the 30s, so maybe it was bracketed um, when I was in my you know, 22, 23. And I saw him and he was consistently winning my bracket. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Where is this guy at? And he was in Rogue. And I reached out to Handy specifically and said, hey, I want to, you know, learn more and figure out what it means to be in a more active alliance and see what's going on. You joined, you joined Rogue when, um, when Handy was Admiral? Yeah, I joined Rogue before Handy was Admiral. <laughs> and then Handy became Admiral while I was there. Okay. Right. Yeah. And we played together from... Like August or September of last year through December, it was about three, four months we were both in Rogue. And I was catching up to him. Right. And I was making I was making progressive strides at a faster rate than others because I was spending some cash. At what point did you did you kind of realize and then kind of get sucked down the rabbit hole of, of like a lot of us have with buying packs about what time about what point in the game? 
Um, in that thirty, like thirty-two, thirty-three range. Yeah, thirty to thirty-three, somewhere in there. It was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna need to buy if if I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time on this game, which is kind of funny because I spend way more time now when I don't buy packs. But that's just the the trade-off. Um, and I have more fun spending time on it than spending money. Yeah, in that 30, 33 range where it's like, okay, I want to progress a little bit more and get a better ship or whatever. But I never felt like I was spending a whole bunch of money. I was like, yeah, I've never done like the big thousand dollar day. I mean, maybe once I think I've done a thousand dollar day. So to the, to, to the point of you progressed all the way to level 33 without spending anything? No, 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 no. I didn't. I it's definitely spent something, but I don't think I spent more than uh, maybe like a thousand bucks to get to 33. Okay. All right. Because I'm like, wow, you went free to play all the way to level 33. No, 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 no. Yeah. I didn't want to think I So, so with that, I mean, I know that we, we've discussed before and you, you haven't spent near as much money as a lot of these other pe- people, but you seem to be on the same playing field as they are. Do you feel like you just maybe plan out what you're going to purchase a little bit better than they do instead of impulse buying? Oh, I mean, yeah, for sure. I definitely plan out exactly what I'm going to, if I'm going to even purchase anything. I mean, at this point, all I'm purchasing, for example, are battle passes. There's no better value in the game. You mean the $20 ones? Yeah, just the $20 ones. There are a bunch of other issues around why I'm only buying the $20 ones. For, I mean, it's scopely math and scopely business practices and ethics and whatever. Scopely, if you're paying attention, right? I mean, it's not personal, but it's it kind of is. Like I'm like, okay, I'm, and I've told them this. I'm like, I'm not going to buy any more packs. I've told them that in surveys because I don't, I don't buy the fact that they're charging the same amount for different pack values across different servers, right? When I saw that that controversial Rev Deuce video come out, I was like, "Oh my God, this is crazy!" I find this completely unethical. Like, this is that's there's no integrity there. Well, they do. I mean, they do the same thing uh, even within the server, and I, I I understand the reason behind why they've done it. I've I've heard the reasons, but you know, for me, <clears throat> like for example, if somebody who's level what am i right now i'm level 33 so if someone who's level 25 they spend the same 50 dollars or 100 dollars, they're not getting near what i'm getting so basically totally the the hundred dollars you know to me if if i'm gonna go buy something if i walk into a store and i buy a watch for 500 dollars, and then you walk into the store and they go oh you're 10 years younger for 500 dollars, we're only going to give you that watch well that's to me that's what i equate it to yeah. No, that's absolutely true. It, it is a function of the progression of the game and how the levels... Because it is... It's designed... I mean, the whole game is designed to play on people's impatience. Right? And when you get impatient and you want to progress, the fastest way to progress is to spend money. Now, that's just reverse engineering what their business model is. It's not... It's, I don't think that's a big shocker to anyone. if you want to progress faster you're going to have to spend money and then as you progress faster the or as you spend more money and you and you get to those other levels they just want to make it it's like oh now you're going to get even more for your dollar so you probably should spend more 
Oh, it's absolutely it's absolutely a business model. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's fine. I mean, that's their business model. At at some point, you know, because you, you're you're level forty one now. Yep. Um, you know, we interviewed Handy. He's forty five. Key is forty seven now. Inco is fifty. You know, at what point do you feel? Well, maybe maybe not you specifically, and I want to get into that. But at what point do you feel? At once players reach a high enough level, you have to pay to like move. Thirty nine forty. I think you can grind your way to thirty nine. But once you, yeah, but once you're thirty nine, you got you got to pay, right? You, you just have to keep paying in order. To- yeah, you have to pay to get above thirty nine, in my opinion, right? Um, you can get to thirty nine, and you can stay there for a long time, because that's the way the game was designed before they opened up Deep Space and forty. Right, a lot of people who are now fifty, like Inko and Ob, and a bunch of other people that were in or that are in Nona and Key and everybody else, they all got stuck at thirty nine for six months artificially, because there was no game past that point. Learning from that, um, there are people in Nona now, Nemesis, O seven O two, who's there now. He's sticking at thirty nine because he is both emulating that progression of gameplay but also there's no real point because once you get past that 40 it's pay to play it's yeah it like i'm at 41 i can't do anything i'm not going to 42 anytime soon because you you can't raid right because to raid the resources you need would take you hours upon hours upon hours and who who has those resources Right. Yeah, no. If, the only times I've ever raided recently for anything big are people who've left the game. Right? People who've reached out to me or have said, look, I'm done. Do you want these resources? I'll go meet you in some rando system and you can raid me because you've been a good guy or whatever. You seem like a decent fellow. <laughs> I don't right. want to go to anybody yeah, but that kind of stuff like Spiral Parker is a player in Cube I found his base in Deep Space and sent him a message and was like your base is unshielded and you've got three and a half billion Tritanium and I'm going to knock and I don't know what's going to happen but I feel weird taking all this from you so I'm just going to I'm going to hold it in escrow effectively I'm going to hold on to your billions of titanium and you've got 30 days. And if you come back in 30 days and you say, Hey, I want that back, then fine. You can raid me back. But that's the majority of where my rating comes from, right? Is people who have either just quit and I just kind of keep track of, I mean, people go and stick their bases in some system right before they quit out on the outskirts somewhere. It's just a pattern that people follow. So you mentioned you touch up upon something that I want to get into is that uh, your good guy reputation, um, yeah. and I, you know, I've I've heard from other people how you're kind of the, you were in, in Nona. I'm assuming um, you you came with Handy to Nona. Is that is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, actually, I mean, I mean, just set the record straight, and I don't think Handy's really gonna, you know, get. I'm not really setting the record straight. Um, I was in Rogue with Handy, and there got to be a point where I was like, if I'm going to spend money, I want to get return on my investment, right? And I wrote up a whole big thing in the Rogue Discord saying, hey, I'm, I'm gone. I, you know, it's not personal against Rogue. It's like, I, if I'm going to spend money, I want the Alliance rewards. So basically, you, out, so basically you, 
for lack of better terminology, you kind of outgrew Rogue. Uh, yeah, I mean, at some level, yeah, I felt like I did. It was like, okay, I, I can't keep, because I'm a, it's funny, I'm a grinder first and a spender second. I don't mind grinding out events and being a top five contributor in alliance contributions for a particular event, you know, on hostile grinding or mining or whatever it is, if I know that we're going to place and we're going to win, which is what made Nona so fascinating and so appealing to me. All right, but all right. So okay, makes sense. So that it's a purely business decision. I want my return on investment if I'm spending money, and I want I want the stuff for it. So now now you're uh, in Nona, and you've gotten this good guy reputation. First of all, how did you get it, and um, why did almost everybody come to you for advice? Besides not rating people, of course. Yeah, it's a, there are a few players in the game that I started noticing. I would look, go through the top 100 and look at their stats, to be perfectly honest. I'd be like, okay, who's done, who's killed the most hostiles? That person obviously has spent time in this game. Crash'em was up there at the time. Urbanator was up there. I was like, oh, I'm going to figure out what these guys are doing at some level. Crashem's been around forever and was, you know, on early, early servers long before I was ever playing. So he had a he had a better sense and clued me into some things about like these particular if you're going to grind something, these two systems, although they look the same and the ships look the same, when you go into the system and scan them, there's actually differences. The damage they do, the whole health they have, and then when when Crashum said that to me, I was like, okay, there's a lot more going on here than I ever thought. There's a lot of data to be had about which systems to go grind in and which systems you can go find, you know, get the best faction rep for. And I wasn't really grinding. I mean, I didn't faction grind anything until January of this year. I was consort with Fed and negative two million with Rom and Klingon in January and then Pike the Pike crew came out and I was like wait a minute I can go kill a whole bunch of stuff and get start getting faction credits and I went kind of hermit I was like okay I'm going to lock fed and then I'm going to keep locking stuff and it was about the things that I didn't have to pay for like I started looking at the faction store and said okay I can get officers and officer recruits by getting like, I get more of those packs available to me with faction credits if I start locking these factions. And I continued doing that over and over and over and over again. I mean, there's a lot of just diligence and time spent going to various systems and saying, okay, this is the best return on my hull at this particular moment for this ship. And I'll repeat that for like four or five or six days or a week, or whatever it is, however long before I do the next upgrade on my ship. You know, one more weapon, and the gun changes, and now it's time to jump in again. Or it's time to go test some other new system. So it's that combination of, like, testing all of these different systems. It just kind of all stuck in my head uh, in a lot of ways, and I would make little notes, and I would write things down, and I would also go and pull up like there's a big there was a big spreadsheet on uh, that was shared on Elkars about all the different systems and the hostile types that were in them and i took that and then started adding columns to it 
which was like damage per round of this particular survey. Like what if they're level 34, 35, and 36 surveys here, what's the damage per round on a 34? What's the damage per round on a 35? And what's their hull health? There's definitely a lot of strategy going into it. One of the things that I always, whenever someone asks me, um, you know, what should you, what should I do? You know, people that are in the lower 20s that maybe started a little late here, or they moved from a different server. Um, you know, the, the, I get a lot of, I've gotten a lot of questions, uh, especially when I was in my old crew, I had a guy, I actually talked to him about 30 minutes and he's like, you know, what should I do with the factions? And I said, for me, it, I'm of the opinion, you should have your first faction locked by the time you're at level 30. You should have your second one locked by the time you're level 32 and your third one should be locked at level 34, if not right before. Yeah, no, I mean, when I got to Nona and I started locking factions in January, I mean, I did them, I did all three in six weeks when the Pike crew came out. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm just going to crush it and, and lock all three because it just started opening things up. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to do it. I don't have to send another ship to deal with a tail to go mine here. And then I've got officer recruit one, two, three, and four in the faction store. Then I started working on, right, how much do I get in respected uh, rep events every day and how much, how many faction or credits do I get every day for doing dailies? Oh, and the beauty of it is, um, uh, for example, where I'm at, I'm, a, I'm respected with everyone, but I'm a little bit higher with the Romulans. But at that point, I can do all three of the daily resource events and get 200 credits, and they cancel each other out. So it doesn't damage anybody's reputation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's the thing when I got to Nona and people kept coming to me, I was like, okay, this is the, that's all I would preach. This is faction lock, faction lock, faction lock. And the people who... At the time when we were level twenty eight and up, there would be people who would faction lock all three at, at thirty. I was, I, I'm just, I'm incredibly impressed. Like I didn't faction lock all three until I was level thirty five, thirty six. Yeah, it is, it is a heck of a grind. It's a lot easier to faction lock uh, feds because of the Tiger core system out in uh, Klingon space. Absolutely, and that was the thing when I first started. I mean, it just brings me back to that other thing. The person who turned me on to Tigoker is Herb. Or the person who confirmed it all for me is Urbanator. The hated, the hated Urbanator. Yeah, but I don't really, yeah, I don't really have a problem with Urbanator overall. I get some of his point, not about Inko, but just about his, the way that he wants to play respectfully, right? He wants some level of respect. There's some of the things, and I've talked to him about it, that I don't agree with, which is that the game evolves and people are going to get hit OPL in new spaces. Right, went like warp forty and above. It used to be you couldn't hit OPL there, and I thought that was BS, and started hitting there a little bit, and then it became warp fifty and above. And I had the conversation with him a few times, like, well, the game is going to evolve, and more players are going to be able to get there, and you can't keep them all from hitting OPL in these places because of agreements that former people had, right? People, you know. When I got to warp forty, I never signed. I never signed on to some agreement that I wouldn't hit OPL space. No, I. There have been there have plenty of times when I go out to the warp fifty three systems or whatever, and I'll I'll search the ships, and I mean I, I can end up filling a sixty seventy thousand cargo bay on a warship with OPL, and that's that's a day's worth. That's a day or two's worth of dailies right there. I mean, if, that's that's great. Yeah. No. Coming coming back a little bit. How did you get the uh, the good guy reputation? So you took Scopely's spreadsheet, you started adding your own columns, 
And so you started compiling your own data and started sharing it with the Alliance so that it would help them level quicker than, than others. And that's part of, yeah, that's part of it. And also just people would ask questions in Alliance chat and they'd say, Hey, where's a good system to grind for Romulan, you know, faction credit or faction rep. And I would answer that question like here, well, what are your ships? And it would be like a consultation. Like I would, there would be times with certain players in Nona that I would do ride alongs and be like, okay, where are you going? Let's go see what you have. And I'll spend time with my ship and go to the same system as you. And I'll watch your hull health go down and determine whether or not this is the right system for you based on that. So it became this kind of consultation. <laughs> so how much did you charge for it? Was it, was it 99 99? No, I didn't charge <laughs> anything for it. Um, because that there was a, it, it's, a little bit of my own kind of mentality. I like having the answer to things. It gives me, you know, it, it releases something, some serotonin, some endorphin where it's like, yep, I got the right answer on that. It becomes addictive where you, Oh, I totally want to have the right answer on that all the time. And so did you expand that knowledge base to people outside Nona? Uh, anybody who would ask you or how did, yeah. If, if somebody asked me, I would absolutely help them out. No question. So other people would would tell other alliances, hey, hey, why don't you talk to Scarlet over here? He he's kind of the guru with this. Yeah, I mean sometimes, yeah. And there were there are a couple of other theory crafters in the game that I've either talked to or want to talk to about certain things and kind of compare notes on. Because we're all playing the same game, right? Um, we're all people trying to get ahead and progress. So there's no real point in holding like all of that information close, too close to the vest. There's some of it that, yeah, because you're just not exposed to it on a daily basis, right? Like Alliance chat in Nona, it's, it's a big thing when somebody locks a, a faction. It's a huge deal. Somebody says, hey, I just locked this. I mean, it's 30, 40 congrats. Oh, it is a great achievement. I mean, it, it, there's nothing... When I, when I finally got Triple Faction locked, it was like, you know, I know it's a silly, it's a mobile game, but, you know, it was just like, dude, do you know how many hours, totaling possibly days, you know, worth of time that I've spent trying to grind this crap out, and now all three of them are locked, and it's like, I never have to worry about a tail. I never have to worry about not having enough daily... Like, I can, I can do all... I can complete all the dailies I need for my loyalty token in like 30 minutes. Yeah, I do that every day, 30 minutes yeah. and I'm done. I go kill. It's, somebody says, somebody from Nona said something to me and I wish I could remember the person's name. I saw the person, I can't even remember what the circumstance was, but they said something that stuck with me and it was so, it hit me. It was so profound. It just hit me in such a way where they said, this game is a time game. The less time you have to spend versus the better rewards you have is that that's to, that's that's like that was that person's idea of winning. So in other words, the less time I have to spend accomplishing something in a day, the better. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree with that. I looked at that and they said it's a time investment game. And I was like, wow, I've never really. I've thought about it, but I've never really sat back and realized that, yeah, I mean, this is a time investment game. You can actually get pretty much anything you want in this game for free if you want to spend years doing it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, you can grind your way to whatever. I mean, I'm grinding Klingons rep up right now. Like, I'm two million from Commended. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, I've got a combined, like, 200 million faction rep or something between the three factions. I never thought I would ever get to that point. But it was just about, okay... It, be, because the time becomes available to you once you lock those triple that triple lock, and it's like okay, I can do all my daily to the loyalty badge in thirty minutes. Everything else past this just helps me progress. Any other time investment that I have into this game is that is just gravy. So, do you want to share the systems that you do your uh, your grinding in? Um, I grind. I grind. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I'm forty one, so I grind. Tolane, T-O-L-A-I-N, in ROM space for ship parts. Explorer ship parts. Um, and a little bit of rep grind. Is that for the jelly? Uh, yeah, I do that with a jelly or with the Enterprise, depending on the oh, particular... Okay, the ship parts are for, for both or for the oh, jelly? No, the ship, oh, I'm using both of those ships, but I'm only using it for the jelly. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm using, I'm using the ship parts for the jelly, yeah. Well, one of my two jellies. I've started. I've started going to uh, because there's not very many systems to get the ship parts in that is not deep space. But I've noticed that um, you can get um, the explorer and survey uh, parts in Groombridge. So I went ahead and started doing that whenever I have to do my dailies. So I'm just yeah. just getting a head start on getting those ship parts for whenever I do need them. Yeah, and it's uh, it's either that or Ursva. The Klingon space right next to Kronos also has broken survey and broken explorer parts. And so where would you grind the Federation? Um, killing feds? Yeah, well, for, for either parts or for rep. Um, I don't grind fed very much. I pretty much combine the two... I go for the loyalty badge every day. Right? I don't. I'm. I used to do like I want to complete the entire board of dailies every day. Um, but that takes too. It takes too much time. I, I guess what I'm asking for is like for anybody who's playing the game and it's not at 41, uh, and you're in your 30s. Where Where would you go to faction lock each three of them? Like the the best bang for your buck, if you will. Um, if I was gonna so for if for locking feds and roms, you just work your way up to Ty Goker and lock them both at the same time. That's what I did. I got the Fed celebrated and locked ROM all in Ty Goker. I didn't go anywhere else. Where is, where is that system? That doesn't, that doesn't ring a bell. Way far off on the right. In yeah, it's space. all the way in the bottom right corner, and it's a bunch of 38, 39, and 40 surveys that have triple the faction rep of everything else there is in normal space. You don't get that same amount of faction rep until you get to level 45 surveys. But you're getting them in the 40s. It's a unicorn system. The best, I've, the best I've been able to come up with as far as feds in regular space, not deep space, was uh, Lakeside. Gotcha. Yeah, I, never, I never really ground the thing. He's screaming at me, saying, "Also, use Fed or Rom ships, depending on what faction you need for to get the most points." Yeah, he, that is a very big thing. Um, like one of the reasons I grind, I grind for Klingon rep right now. I I relocate to Raula, which is a level forty system, and it's got a mix of different ships. 
and I'll run three ships simultaneously. And I'll put Pike crew on one, on a, on an auger, kill surveys and explorers with that, put a decent Gorkon or a Yuki crew on the D4, kill battleships with that with combat triangle, and then put a morale crew on the Enterprise and kill the like lower level 39 surveys and just roll through them all and click, 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 click to the point where it's like I can get about 700k Klingon rep an hour doing that. Make sure you have chin locked. I, 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 will, I will say that that is the game changer. I, I think at this point I've gotten to where during faction hunt, I never had chin locked and I, somebody told me that, yeah, you gotta have her locked to make her good. I was like, she's not gonna be all that great. Being maxed? As soon as I maxed her out, I can now, when we, whenever I do faction hunt, I can kill level 39 and 40 interceptors or, um, excuse me, explorers, and I can do all three factions and not have to repair my ship once. It's, it's a game changer. Yeah, it's a total game changer. I mean, I, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't, I don't do that as much anymore. I'll, I'm the guy who sends two or three ships into the same system and does the whole faction at once. Yeah, since I don't have uh, Chen locked, I do have Talon locked, but um, I have to be very creative with the crews that I have to use in order to do my uh, dailies and my faction hunts since I'm waiting to get bigger, better ships. So, like, Somebody's asking why Talon is better, sorry. What's up? I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting distracted by the, the podcast chat. Somebody was asking why Talon, right? And it's like, here's the answer. Like I was talking about earlier, it's like I've got the answer. Why swarms and interceptors? Yeah, totally. Well, or battleships. It's whoever has the more kinetic weapons. Yeah, because explorers and battleships, um, Chen's better, and then uh, Talon is better for swarms and interceptors, and then a, a certain was like a certain Romulan battleship somewhere out in space. Yeah, Talon is better against battleships in Klingon space. Is it Klingon space or Romulan space? I don't know. Klingon space. You go to Gaihan, where the where the scouts are, the bigger scouts, and then you sit there and grind battleships, and occasionally a scout will show up, but you can't do it with Chen because you'll you'll die much sooner. So, anyways, you have all this wealth of knowledge, and you are kind of the go-to guy for pretty much anybody and everybody. And at what point? The, that kind of wear down on you where you're giving out so much advice and you're like, I am so done with this. It's a cumulative effect. And it's not, I, I don't blame anybody for wanting to, you know, ask me questions. I don't. And there are, and there are other people there who have taken up the mantle of it. In Nona. In, in Nona. And I felt comfortable enough to the point where I didn't maybe say this, but I, I definitely feel comfortable enough that I could walk away and there would be somebody there to answer those questions. So is that, did that play into maybe not negatively and you know, no, no casting shade or shadows toward anyone, but did that play a part in kind of your, in addition to some of the, the business practices we discussed, but did that play a part in the kind of your backing away and kind of soloing it for a little while? Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to have some peace and quiet at some level because it, I do have that personality where I want to have the answer to things. So when I see somebody ask a question in Alliance chat, I want to answer it. It's just a, it's a 
instinctual reaction. I can't stop myself. So to so so in in essence to remove the temptation. It's the yeah, it's the stimulus, right? I don't want to if I remove the stimulus then I won't be sitting there answering questions. And then when you answer one question in AC, what would happen is, oh, scars available. Let me send him a PM. Right. And then when when we grew really really fast, and that's that's fine. But it got, I mean, when I joined, there were like maybe 30, 32 people or something. And then it got up to the point where it was like 75 to 80. And the turnover started happening a little bit quicker. We'd have people come and go. It was like all these new faces. Oh, go to Scar. He's got all, he's got the answers. So then it would become, okay, I'm going to do an entire consultation with this person for, uh, you know, uh, multiple hours a day for multiple days in a row for the new person. And then that, it just, it takes a toll over time. There's a cumulative effect. And also, it also takes away from your ability to progress through grinding. Absolutely. It takes away from that. Um, there are a bunch of time. I mean, it, that's not really a time suck. I wouldn't put a negative or a, you know, pejorative on it. Helping people is not a time suck. Some things are time sucks. Armadas are a time suck that I've just now realized. If you've got a bunch of people in an alliance and everybody's running and you're the biggest alliance, everybody wants to run the biggest armadas. Because they're like, hey, we've got everybody, all the bigs are here. We should just run all 39 uncommons all the time. Right? And it's and at some point, there's no point in running the 39 uncommon anymore. Um, there wasn't for me. There was no reason for me to go. But you want to go there to support your teammates. Well, that's just 15 more minutes that you can't use your ship, your best ship to go grind or do something else with. And then you get those back to back to back to back to back. It's like, okay, now we've run eight armadas. That's two hours of my day that my ship is not available to do anything else. Right. As the game evolves and as the players evolve in a particular alliance, people will either just not go to those armadas or choose to not go as much or they will go to all of them but a lot of times there's this middle level um where you 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 want to help your you want to help your team and you send as much as you can or then you really have to pay attention to it so that you don't like i'm going to step out of this one so that other people can get the loot like we've got to cover there's enough power here I don't need to be in this one. I don't need to be in this unk. I don't need to be in this rare. I don't need to be in this epic. I have enough credits for that. And there, it just becomes a lot of very intense concentration focus spent on armadas. It just feels like a time suck that I'm, I'm not missing at the moment. It's fair to say you were too stimulated. Yes. Just making a pun. In any case, so um, the cumulative effect of the rotation, the amount of people, the amount of growth, the the time suck that it, that it is to help other people out. Effectively, you just got burned by it. You're just like, oh, man, I I need I need space. I need to leave. Yeah, there's all that, and then you throw one, you throw a couple more things on top of that, which are uh, wars, people doing wars against you, and then. Being a Commodore and having uh, to mediate 
between individual players and their issues or, you know, and this guy said, I dry hit him or I was dry hit by this player and you need to go, you know, I need help with this. All of those and talking people down off of retaliation takes a lot of time. Talking people down from like, I'm going to go to war over this or I'm going to send some nasty gram to somebody else. So speaking of wars, since you since you brought it up, what's your take for our Server 34 listeners? What's your take on this recent melee that's been going on recently with Urbanator and Trojan and seemingly pretty much everybody all the way down to level 20 players are getting in on some sort of... Anyway, it seems like the whole server's become disgruntled. Yeah, it's uh, it. I think it's a combination of a bunch of different factors. Um, one of them is just the evolution of the game, uh, where players are at, the number of players who are getting. I saw somebody in GC earlier today say, "Yep, you're getting to the point where there are a bunch of players who are in their high 30s and early 40s who are going to either quit or just get bored, and they're going to do something else, and or they want to change it up." Right? They want to change up their style of play. They want to do something else. Um, I think there's a lot of that that goes on. I think people are... There is a, a certain point where you there's just diminishing returns and there's nothing else to do. Right. The game isn't really built for, for players that are above 40. There's not a lot. No, and, and the population of people that you can go and have battles with is really low, right? You can't... Right, they, you can't get get a good PvP going if you're the top 50 player. If you're in the top 50, right? To be fair to everyone else, you should only be hitting the people in, who are as strong as you or above, right? Because people will get banked out of shape if you hit anybody lower. And since you're in Nona, you already have like the top 40 out of 50 players anyway. Yeah, you're not going to go hit any of them because they're already in your team. You can't game mechanic. That that brings us into my partner Techman's favorite thing to discuss. Mm-hmm. Are we? Are we? Are we? Yeah, Are we is like I was on the Server Thirty Four Discord today talking about Are we and whether or not these token systems for Eclipse Space should be protected or not. I don't think they should. I think it's kind of silly to have them be protected because they're available. I think those are grindable systems that you can get a token for every single day. And there's a finite amount of nodes in there anyway. And basically a single person could lock up a node for days straight or an alliance if they wanted to could lock up a whole system or all three systems for days at a time if they really wanted to. Scar, Scar, man, what about what people in this game live for? And that's Lat Rush Mondays. How could you? <laughs> Lat Rush Monday is the biggest scam there is in this game, right? It's 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 the single worst rewards of any alliance regular event, right? The alliance credits are the lowest amount of any weekly event. It, there's no there's no real point. The, the only reason to do it is for pride, right? Is winning. Oh, I got the number one thing. I we're number one. Right? It's it's why when the data event started coming out, I mean, I, I skipped augment when I first started. And I was like, I'm, I don't really want to spend a lot of time on augment because I don't see the value. 
I just, I didn't see the value at the time. Um, when the first data event ever showed up, my botany bay was like tier one or two and I didn't even participate. I was like, no, this seems like a waste of time. And then as we kept, as they kept showing up, I started pushing. I was like, I think we should, discretion is the better part of valor. We should just pull out of these entirely. Like it's just not worth the headache and time because we would spend 24 hours a day for three days straight handing off nodes in Yarda and just burning people out and getting really touchy with each other and building up internal salt about who was, oh, you didn't hold onto that node long enough or whatever it was. It was just a burnout situation and the rewards were garbage. Still are garbage. They still are garbage, right? It, yeah. Clarify. Still are yeah. garbage. Almost but all the mining event all, all the mining event rewards are pretty much garbage. The the only good thing to come out of the augment store, in my opinion, is the Dadgum Con crew for raiding. Yeah, but that's why Yeah. So <laughs> I've I, I think I've I got the three or five con shards or whatever when you get to ally augment. And then that's it. I got all the other 1,600 getting con through transporter patterns. Well, doesn't, doesn't Swarm Sunday, or I don't know if they changed it, Swarm Sunday used to give you car and, a con and Mara shards, right? Con there, but I wouldn't be buying con shards in a faction store. Like, I, I wasn't going to con shards and the augment store to get those, and I didn't really... Yeah, because the only... I, I guess... What I what I've noticed now is that the server has grown to a point where you don't need um, augment crew to crack a base anymore. If you're a level 41, you could hit a level 28, 27. You could put you could put a augment or you could put a mining crew on on your battleship and it'll still crack the entire base, regardless of the ships in it. So it, it makes no sense. Now Khan is the only character that's actually worth anything because his critical is cumulative. And so if you have a long battle, then it's like crit every, every hit. Oh, he's good. He's good for armadas for sure. Yeah. He's great for armadas. Yeah. The seventh round and above is where he starts doing all crits in the Stella right now in armadas. So you go 30 rounds and everything from round seven on is criticals. Solid. He's great for that. And he's also the strongest overall stat in the game. I mean, he's got, when you max him out, he's stronger than everybody else by a fair amount. Oh, he is. Yeah, he is. He is definitely a good officer. And the only reason I've been able to upgrade him is because I had mined like 20 million data. I have enough data for like eight months. So why not use it? Yeah. Yeah. No, all my data only showed up in these mining of, or these, you know, data mining events. Coming back to ROE a little bit, um, you know, we did a show on server 34 ROE, and we talked about more cons than more pros, the current server um, ROE, if you will. If I were to give you a broad brush, because you've kind of seen it all, kind of done it all, you have a lot more data than, than most other people that play the game, what would be kind of your ROE rules? Oh, it would be, it, it would come all the way down to the most simplistic Rev Do style, no loot, don't shoot. That's basically my whole thing at this point. Um, if you've got loot, I, I might shoot 
And I don't think you should get bent out of shape if I take your loot. Uh, and I think that and that doesn't apply to me. It applies to everybody. I think people should play that way. So, so here's my, you know, my follow up to that is during events. Should our should are we change during events? Let me give you an example. Right, um, a level thirty mining latinum with a devour mm-hmm. is not mining latinum. No, they're mining. For, they're mining for points. Well, they're not. They're, they're just. They're just. It's a placeholder. What I what I mean is a level thirty. I'm sorry, not a, not devour. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. With an envoy. Yeah. Okay. With an envoy. Yeah. No, they're totally placeholding, and they should. Yeah. It's. I. I don't necessarily think they should be knocked all off, but you do see four, three, and four of the same player with two envoys and two horizons on four nodes in a single lap system. And you're like, well, that's silly. Like you're holding up other people's ability. And I understand that there's some of that where, where you're hoping, you know, preventing other people from scoring points or something, but then you're preventing them from scoring points in the single worst weekly event there is. So, <laughs> Yeah, we have, we have a, we have a saying for that in the South. It's called holding up a nickel with a dollar. Yeah, I mean, the big, the analogy that I had when it was all about uh, Botany Bays and whether or not they should be on three-star was, the analogy was, you go to the supermarket, you load up your cart with a whole bunch of ice cream, and you go to the checkout counter, and the person in front of you who's got, who's bought, you know, a thing of toilet paper, let's say, and that's all they've got. They proceed to break out a checkbook and write a check for seven hours. And they waste all that time and all of your ice cream is sitting there melting and you can't get anything done. You've now lost all your ability to do that for that day because time is the one of the big factors in this game. Right. And it's one that doesn't get talked about a lot. Time, it, mining rates are mining rates per hour. And, and there's only 24 hours in a daily and events only last so long. So time obviously is a factor in everything that you do inside the game so why not take that into consideration in roe so in that case for example it would be like no loot don't shoot in the case of an event you know use the proper ship or gtfo yeah i mean that yeah but then you get into the whole thing about i do get the fact that there are free-to-play players who don't have a divorce right and they don't have a door yet but at the same time why are they mining latinum? Yeah, you're not going to get a lot out of mining latinum with an envoy in our, or a horizon, right? You're going to get maybe a thousand an hour or eleven hundred an hour maximum with a maxed really? out horizon. Show, show me a maxed out horizon that can get eleven hundred an hour latinum. Jeez, you just got to you got to go out to the farther systems. Yeah, and then you got to put ten of ten on it and Scotty and go to a warp forty <laughs> system. But if you're doing it for points, here's the thing: I have. Just well, you're not going to get enough points anyway. Well, yeah, but I've personally completed Latinum Rush Monday just mining Parsteel. Yeah, so have I, yeah. I, so I don't understand the fixation with everybody sitting on a, on, on a Latinum node with an Envoy. It's going to be a lot quicker for you to go mine literally anything else. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it becomes premium blend. Lat. It's called Lat Rush. So we've got to obviously go mine lat. 
And it's like for a long time, everybody was like, oh, I'm going to go to Yarda and mine Yarda because it's got some kind of premium blend, better data than the system that's right next to it that has the exact same rate and a little bit smaller node. Or maybe it's a little bit less of a time, you know. But there are only three nodes in Yarda, and it creates all this PvP place, and everybody gets all bent out of shape when you get hit. So why not just eliminate that from your entire game day and go one system less, it takes you less time to get to, and get the same data It takes you a little bit more time. And nobody well, ever Scopely, hits anybody, right? Scopely kind of, sort of, let's just say they, they hand-wave fixed the whole data thing. But what about... I actually like the way data's set up now. <laughs> I like the small nodes and the fast runs, but that's me. Did you notice that the system right next to Yarda, that, that next system has like much bigger nodes and the mining rate's like 10x less? Yeah, it's a third the speed or even or a fifth the speed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Ilmatar, it's a mix of nodes. <laughs> yeah, right. So what about, what about PvP? Now, in, in a previous... In a previous episode, we, you know, Kirk and I basically kind of agreed that PvP. Well, I'm sure you've seen it. it the rewards suck for for PvP. There's there's no incentive to PvP. Yet we call this a war game and a PvP game, right? Yeah, I'm not the best. I'll I'll be I'll be completely transparent. I'm not the best person to talk to about PvP. I mean, you can look at my stats, right? I've got like 130,000 hostile kills and like 4,000 player kills. My player ratio is barely over one. All right, we're swapping you out for handy. <laughs> right, I'm not the uh, yeah, I'm not the big PvP guy. But I think that's part of yeah, that's just the the way that I play. It's not that I don't want to, or I just don't find myself in the situation a lot where that comes up. Where I'm like, oh, I gotta. That's that's part of the issue, right? You don't need to be a PvP player. In a PvP game to advance in Star Trek Fleet Command, you know, no, it, absolutely, you don't. Yeah, built around farming nodes and hostiles and, and hostile bases, yeah. <laughs> you know. And, but you know, I think a lot of people and and Kirk goes around swinging his dick around all the time, uh, trying to pick fights. Uh, um, it was very respectfully, by the way. You know, yeah. he only inserts it just a tip. <laughs> and, and then he leaves. <laughs> I can't tell you how many PMs I get where people go, "Hey man, uh, did you forget?" And I'm like, "No, I just wanted to blow your shit up." And they're like, what? "You didn't even take anything." I was like, "Yeah, no, I just want to blow your stuff up." Yeah, and I'll do that. Like, I'll run, I'll I'll hit bases and like take four loads, and like I'm done raiding you for today. Like that's all I needed to do. Not because I even wanted any of it, just because. You need to shield up if you're going to be in the system, right? <laughs> it's, it's a, a, I want to get to is we've we've got so many of these uh, rules set up not to hit people, and we are desperately trying to hit people. What do you you know? What, what do you think would be a good way to promote? We'll call it healthy hitting. Um, I, I the big one is people. Be, you should be able to it's in the roe already warships are fair game everywhere except in armadas or whatever it is right you, you should be able to absolutely hit warships wherever they are if, they, if they're sitting around floating that's a big that should be absolutely a default part of your game because it's called a warship 
Yeah, well, it, exactly, right? It's a it's a battleship. I mean, I'm not going to go around and hit a bunch of level 27 people because I can. That's that's a dick move, right? At some level, right? There are no dick moves. It's called PvP. Exactly. There are no dick moves. I I, I would say you yeah, absolutely go hit those people wherever they are. Hit in swarm space. I don't care. That was the that's the other thing about like being in wars. Like having your stuff dry hit or having miners hit or even having your ships hit. Like it just doesn't none of it matters. There's no I would say thank you. Right? I would send PM saying thank you to Key when he would dry hit my miners or Q. <laughs> Be like, thanks. Like I just finished my daily birthday. That was good timing. Well, for me, what what kills me, and this this goes hand in hand with it, it, it just kind of the idea behind it. So, way too many people are way too much, way too emotionally invested in this game, and they start they they equate you raiding their base to like the same as if I kicked in their front door when they weren't home and took their TV, and they really react, and 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 they freak out, and and they. And, and they, oh, their, blood, their blood pressure goes up and they start cursing and they're cursing you and I hope you die. And it happens all the time. And those of you listening, you know exactly who you are. Don't act brand new. And it, it's amazing that when I get raided and cleaned out, I'll send somebody a PM. It hasn't happened to me in gosh, eight months, but um, my shield discipline is pretty good. But I would send them PMs and go, hey, man, you got some good stuff. And they were like, they'll be like, yeah, I wish you had more dilithium. That's what I really need. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I've definitely had people who I've raided for, you know, 10, 12 million dilithium who've sent me the nastiest PMs there are. You know, when I was in my mid-30s and I'd raid somebody who had 10 million dilithium who was a 32 or a 31, and they'd be like, that's real money, you son of a bitch, or in with you know, much harsher words than that. And there is this kind of value system that gets placed in it because there are people who spend things, right? And then as soon as you start putting your money in, it's skin in the game, right? You've got skin in the game. You have some investment in it, but it's a game. It's like poker. You put your money in, you might lose. (laughs) And you have to be okay with the fact that you might lose it. Because you're playing against other people, not yeah, it, it's not just an investment game. We're not playing <laughs> how to invest here. What about these token spaces? You know, everybody makes a big deal about not hitting in Borg space. Don't hit in the Borg lat area. Don't hit in these token areas. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm of the opinion that it, it PVP should be everywhere. It shouldn't be restricted to certain. Yeah, I'm coming around. I'm coming around on the Borg space lat thing. I think that actually probably should be a PvP zone. Um, I definitely think the Eclipse one should be a PvP zone. The Borg lat space. The only reason why it wasn't is because it's a lottery. Right, getting the raw Latinum antique or whatever it is to then refine that to ha- have a fancy sale to get into one of those places. It's it's exclusive. Um, what people do with that is annoying, which is send a horizon or a faction miner and sit on it for six days. 
Well, because they're doing it for Lat Rush Mondays because that's what they live for in this game. Exactly, and that, and now I think that's a complete waste of it's a complete waste of their time and everyone else's time. It's inconsiderate to everyone else's time, it, right? Because no one else can mine those resources quickly or just be done with it, right? If you go in, and that's the thing about mining in general. As you progress throughout the game and you have the envoy and then you get some officers, you get to pring and you get to protected. And as you move up and progress, the protected amount that you've got on your ships correlates pretty closely to the amount that you need for dailies. And you don't really need to mine much more than dailies. You can mine a little bit more and you're still going to end up stockpiling a lot. Uh, more than you're ever going to refund your level you don't even need to mine i mean how much how much do you have stocked up i mean um i've got i don't really mine i've been working through my stockpile i only mine ore three star for daily rom credits because it's the one that i live in normal space i don't move to deep space all that often i don't have large faction miners um that's one of the ways that i have saved money i don't really i don't want to spend all that crystal to get a Warp 70, whatever. Warp 60 faction miner. Um, I get perfectly good speeds with a T5 or T6. I don't need to go T7 and above. Because um, I also don't mine to stockpile lots and lots and lots. There are people who mine and have 8, 9, 10 million three-star raw. And they'll do max refine every time, which is pointless. Because you don't get any better return on that. No, it's it's not. The best bang for your buck is to get the prime ones and then just do the 12Ks. Yep, and then just middle middle option, the 12K over and over again. And so when you're doing dailies, you're getting, you know, at respected, it's 25K per three star. So that's two refines worth, and you might get a little bit more, but you're, I mean, my protected is like 33K. So I'll go to some system, I'll get on a 25,000 node, I'll find a zero, I'll hit it, I'll mine it to 25,000 and I'm done for the day. I hit my dailies. I get the other 4,000 of the other two, <laughs> right, of crystal and gas for getting that daily done without mining it. So that gets me closer. It, it just continues building up the stockpile. I don't mine four star except for points on lat rush. I don't see the point because at 40 and above, you get more. Uh, four-star uncommon in event rewards than you do from refining. So there's, it's kind of silly to even sit there refining it or, you know, mining it for any stretch of time. To summarize, basically to summarize engagement there, Scar, it's no loot, don't shoot, and if it's PvP-able, go PvP. Yeah, it's whatever the 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 mechanics of the game allow. Right. And there are like I listen to the podcast with Joker and I've listened to the podcast with Chef and Dirt. And I've I've had conversations with Joker and Chef before, and I think they're decent fellows and they serve a purpose. I wish they would have said this, but I've always viewed Dirt as being the place where you start growing the rest of the ecosystem. Right? You can't grow an ecosystem without Dirt. You can't grow flowers. You can't grow food. You can't grow anything else if the finite amount of nodes aren't available to plant miners on. So if 
all these people are mining and mining and mining and all they're doing is playing Farmville, somebody should absolutely go knock them off so that other people can get on them so that they can progress, etc. I did say that. Uh, actually, I told Chef that, and that was one of the questions I remember asking him. I asked him, I said, why are you so necessary? Yeah, it's totally necessary to the game. It's part of the ecosystem, right? I just there there are funny little analogies that you could say, like, oh, you know, this is not a, a slight on it, but you can't have dirt without worms, right? There has to be a worm, <laughs> like eating through all the shit, to be able to create usable dirt. There's this like little poetic kind of analogy that goes along with just that name, that I find fascinating. No, but it it works well in this case because if everybody's taking up resources, you want somebody to to go and mow through so that other people can have a chance to utilize those same resources. The 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 server needs a bad guy. Yeah, the server needs a villain at some level because otherwise it's just happy happy unicorn all day long. But and you need a heel, right? It's like you need that you need the villain. There's and, and going all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, actors actors love playing villains because villains have the juiciest roles. It, there's there's no better role to play than a great villain. So you have to have those people, and you have to have them around. It's just part of the deal. There's no point in getting like all bent out of shape about it. I mean, I definitely took part in the whole, like, let's slam on Joker and Chef's base day right where the nine alliances all got together and smashed on his base and i did that even knowing they were on even though that's against our own known as own personal roe which is try not to hit people when you know they're online right and but i came at it instead of like i'm i I came at it from i will i've got more resources to use and I'm going to use up some of your resources for you to repair and use your speed ups. Right. I, I don't know. It's, but it's not like I'm going to get all bent out of shape about it. So switching gears a little bit. Um, what is, you're now Admiral of C- Cohen. Is that how you yeah. pronounce it? Cohen. Yeah. Um, and that, that was your kind of solo Alliance. Now you got fun nuggets on board. Yeah. Uh, what's your goal with that? Alliance. It is it is a meditation retreat is basically what it is. That's the little joke that I have with fun nuggets um, where it's there's there's no drama. There's nothing going on. It's just nice and quiet. It's a silent meditation retreat area. So basically all the other alliances that have gone corporate and you want your own little oasis, you go to Cohen. Pretty much. I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't have grand schemes to like have a big giant alliance and i'm still holding out the option that sometime you know someday in the future i might go back and to nona or i might go to rogue i liked rev deuce's idea of going on tour of alliances that he did a few months ago of just bouncing around and seeing how people work and seeing how they operate not to you know be a spy and figure out where their bases are or any of that shit like, i don't care about any of that that's just kind of a waste of time, but the uh, but just to interact with different people, I could see that be that being interesting. But right now, it's so nice to be just do my dailies, do the little things that I need to do because I yeah I'm not going to drop a I could I could go to right now I can get my shipyard up to forty one right, but I need twenty five or thirty thousand four star common crystal. 
I could go spend $300 and buy three Interceptor four-star packs to get the amount of crystal that I would need, but I don't even have a four-star Interceptor, so what's so I'm spending $300 for one particular mat type. It'll take me four months to refine that amount using the going and mining it just to get one base module done. It's just not... I'm, I've reached the point of diminishing returns in this 40-plus economy where there's no... There's no real... Ch- it's not that there's no challenge. There's just nothing motivating me to really devote a lot of time and energy to it. So why not just go be quiet in a little corner? Is kind of how I'm looking at it. <laughs> but I, it's only been a couple of weeks. It's been less than two weeks that I've been out of there, and the first week it was just all solo. And it's like, okay, I can go try out some things that I haven't tried out before. I'm going to spend a day hitting the 49 Romulan transports in Romulus with my jelly and see how many blueprints I can get and what my rep looks like after I do that. Or I'm going to see what armadas I can run solo and see what kind of, what can I get out of that using the Stella more in that way. I find that's one of the only thing that's it's keeping me interested in the game is just the new mechanics around the outlaw research arc and the Stella ship. Like that's, that's interesting. The rest of it is just throw money at it in order to progress. Is basically where I'm at. So, yeah. <laughs> That's why I went to that koan, you know, kind of... It's called a tree falls, because a koan is a, you know, a Zen Buddhist thing saying, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, is anybody there? And nobody's there. Can any, Does it make a sound? Or Since... what's the sound of one hand twang? Since we, since we are talking about names, one of the biggest questions I've asked is where your username comes from. How did you come up with yep. that? Um, I'm a deadhead. I'm a big fan of the Grateful Dead. Um, one of their classic combinations of... And one of the big things about the Grateful Dead is improvisational music. Right? They go... They'll play, they have a repertoire of songs, they have a huge catalog of songs that they play live, and they were always known for playing live. But one of their great combinations was two songs together at the beginning of the second set, uh, which was Scarlet Begonia's Into Fire on the Mountain. And it became shortened on cassette tapes that were traded in the 80s and then dat tapes in the 90s to Scarlet Greater Than Sign Fire. You can't put a greater sign into your name <laughs> in the game. So then I just said, I'm just going to make it Scarlet Fire. It sounds interesting. I mean, it's got a warship kind of, I'm going to blow up your ship and fire in, you know, bright red fire kind of connotation to it. Um, it definitely gets me a lot of questions about what gender I am. I get a lot of people who think I'm a female, which I think is amusing and i don't necessarily correct them right away if you are then that's a lot of testosterone you're taking yeah i've got a ton of testosterone but yeah, but the uh yeah it's i find it amusing i can't tell you how many times people have been have sent me a pm being like like when i first left nona and it was crucible of war and i started i'm gonna go hit a whole bunch of 49s and they're like you're just crushing it you go girl i'm like that's thanks <laughs> thanks but i'm not a girl but that's cool. 
I appreciate your the sentiment. Did you respond with a peace sign? I know I don't respond with peace sign. I usually still respond with the Vulcan live long and prosper emoji a lot of the time. But yeah, no, I'm a deadhead. I mean, I grew up in Oregon. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit of a hippie. Which plays into my whole, I'm not going to, I don't get a lot involved in wars and PvP because, I don't know. Against your nature. It's not, yeah. I don't find myself gravitating towards it. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with anybody blowing up each other's ships. And it's and it can be fun. There's also defending. That's another I mean, another reason why I kind of split off. I got I got r- really tired of burning reload tokens to defend people who don't have good shield discipline. And when you have that many people in an alliance, just the numbers are going to eventually people are going to start dropping their shields. You got 80 people in the alliance. People are going to get unshielded. And when you're the top alliance, everybody's targeting you because you're getting all the alliance rewards. So you've got all the RSS. So when your shields are down, <laughs> that's who they're targeting. Right? That's why Dark is so good. I mean, they it almost feels, I don't think they are targeting Nona. And if they are, they should be. Like, that's a smart thing to do. Because they've got, Nona has the RSS because they win the alliance events. Yeah, and I, I mean, they're the only people to ever raid me. And I was, I would, I did the exact same thing. I was like, okay, that was cool. Like, what did you use to crack it? And how much did it take to crack it? Right. And they got a billion out of me in January. And I haven't been raided since. Who, who raided you? Nash and Zero Fox, I think, and Kemosoft. Well, of course. Right. <laughs> the three the big classics. Right. And I dig, I dig those guys. Like, I, I talk to Zero Fox a lot. I talk to a lot of people on the game that like, there's nobody on my block list. I don't have anybody blocked. So everybody's available to me and they can talk and I have been chatting people up for a long time. So it, one thing that I do want to bring up since we're at the, at the end of this one, it's something that's been being discussed Um a lot a, a more and more as this particular day comes along there's a particular game that everybody's looking out for um and some people are thinking that it is going to drive down the active player base in our server which is eve echoes do you think that's going to happen uh i do i mean i'm definitely looking forward to eve echoes uh it's five days from now not that anybody's counting i mean from when this gets released it will from the time this is recording, five days from now, it will be released. And yes, I pre-registered. And it's another rabbit hole. Uh, I like the fact that it's subscription-based at some level. So there's, yeah, you could buy packs, but you're probably going to progress pretty well just spending 20 bucks a month. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm interested, and I think it's going to give a, um, <clears throat> I think it's going to give uh, something a little bit different for us to kind of focus our energy into especially given this this whole coronavirus issue where everybody's kind of stuck at home and for this server i feel like uh myself might be included that uh if this game does turn out to be as great as it's 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 being portrayed i think that people are still going to play stfc but they're not going to care about it anymore so you're going to see a lot of people going non-roe 
it's, it's going to stagnate, and then people are going to start warring and blowing each other up out of boredom. I think it's going to. I think it's going to happen where people are going to go. You know what? I don't really care about the long game anymore because I'm now invested in this game. So now, hey, you know, Nona or whatever, I've never liked you guys anyway, or Dark or whomever. I'm just going to start dry hitting you guys whenever I feel like logging on. Yeah. Or as she just said, um, it's going to cause server mergers. Yeah, and that's fine. I'll, I'll dry hit them too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I think I've only... Like, even during wars, like I've, I wouldn't even want to get involved. I wouldn't dry hit people. I just didn't care. It's like, yeah, that just seems like, like when I would say thank you, it just never, I don't really believe that it really prevents anybody from doing anything. No. So I'd never really involve myself. I mean, I might hit occasionally, like if somebody, if I was the only one on who could reach that system and somebody saw, right, that that miner was there, I might go hit them. Um, I, I think I hit Crasham once on accident in Sulaban because I woke up in the middle of the night during a lat rush when I had one of those nodes. And, like, he had taken it, and I was like, no! And I just, you know, in half asleep, hit him dry. But that was six months ago. I, I don't, yeah, I don't go around dry hitting miners. I just don't see the point. So It doesn't prevent anybody from doing it. So, yeah, Eve echoes to summarize. We think, we, we're, we're kind of all in agreement that that might change the way that this, this game is being played, because that's going to kind of be a new, fresh, fun game for people to kind of immerse themselves into. Um, do you have anything that you want to bring up to tell anybody that might be listening? Yeah, I mean, if if everybody didn't leave and went to go play Evecos, or a whole bunch of people didn't, and the game was the way it was, uh, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the time that it takes to progress from one level to the next, to the next, to the next. And you can do it for cheap, and there is no real timetable. You shouldn't feel pressure to try to level up faster than you're comfortable with. Uh, there's a lot of fun to be had. And, and there are a lot of little personal goals that you can accomplish in the game. That's the way that I played, which is I want to accomplish this thing. I want to knock out this faction or I want to kill more of this than anybody else. Or I want to contribute to my alliance by grinding something out. There's a lot of ways to still enjoy the game without spending a bunch of money on it. Yeah, that's my main kind of point. And be nice. Right? I mean, there's no point in <laughs> getting angry. And I, like, I've sent some nasty grams to people, and then I've gone back and apologized to them so many times. I mean, not so many times. The few times that I've ever sent nasty grams to people, I've made a point of going back to them and saying, I'm sorry I ever said that. I was in a bad place that day. Right. Yeah, because it's just not worth it to get that emotionally invested in any of this. No, no, it's not. People, people tend to forget that, that you're, you're living through a screen here. Yeah. It's all pixels. And, it's, and because it's computers, it's bring it all the way back to a very old concept it's garbage in garbage out right the more you're only going to get out of it what you put into it if you put negative energy into it you're going to get negative energy out of it right well said yeah scarlet thanks so much for joining us today Absolutely. totally a little bit of a ramble but that's what i do 
It's all right. We'll we'll get you and Andy on at the same time, and then you can bicker back and forth, and then, and then we'll charge. That sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been Trek Talk with Tech and Kirk. I'm Tech Man Sixteen, and I'm Strange Kirk. And we'll see you guys.